For the perfect last-minute gift, check out Spa Finder. With Spa Finder, send a relaxing spa treatment straight to their inbox without leaving the house. Gift cards can be redeemed in-store at thousands of spas and salons nationwide or online at the Spa Finder Wellness Shop. Spa Finder gift cards contain no fees and never expire, making it a perfect gift you can't go wrong with. Go to spafinder.com slash podcast15 to save 15% or enter the promo code podcast15 at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift? Check out a Visa Virtual Account, available at giftcards.com. Gifting a Visa Virtual Account is easy. Simply select your gift amount, add optional personalization, and click Send. A thoughtful gift delivered in moments. As one of the world's most recognized brands, virtual Visa cards are secure, never expire, and work for any budget. They're also eco-friendly. Eliminate the need for plastic with a virtual gift delivered straight to their inbox. Whether you're shopping for a family member, friend, coworker, or client, a Visa virtual account is always the perfect fit. Visa virtual accounts can be used online anywhere Visa is accepted, so the possibilities are endless. They're convenient to send and easy to spend, making it the perfect gift for any occasion. Start gifting your virtual visa today at www.giftcards.com slash virtual. And hello... Uh, my name's Adam West. How you doing? It's Bite Me Podcast, episode 22.1. That's right. There's a, another version this week, uh, if you will. So if you've already listened to this week's regular show, then you know, or if you've even followed us on Facebook, Twitter, you know that I was in Portland this uh, past weekend for Betacon. And it was the first uh, Betacon. It was the very first one. And I got to go. It was really cool. It was the first show that we've actually been able to go to as a podcast and get in and do all the fun stuff that the uh, media gets to do. So that was really, really cool for me to experience. And there was a lot of great stuff there. They had Wacom and Polycount there. They had uh, tournaments up. They also had a lot of great little indie developers with uh, Pig Squad. Portland Indie Game Squad was their kind of collective. And then a bunch of developers underneath that uh, that were there at their exhibit at Betacon. And that's really the biggest part of what I took away from Betacon was just this really cool indie game scene. And I lived in Portland for almost 10 years. And I had no idea that that scene was something that was coming up in Portland. But uh, easily the most impressive part of Betacon was the Pig Squad exhibit area and all the games that were being showcased there by local developers, one- and two-person teams, and then larger studios like Fulbright Studios, uh, who had great success with a game called Gone Home. If you've not played that, uh, you definitely need to check it out, especially if you're a console gamer like myself. Uh, it was re-released, Gone Home, the console edition, not very long ago, so you can pick that up pretty cheap. And it's a really great story. If you're into the narrative storytelling, uh, like we're all starting to get into here on the show, especially Cliff, um, you should absolutely check out Gone Home. But anyway, that's in the past. We're talking about the future, and the Betacon in Portland uh, was definitely a showcase of a lot of great future games and a lot of great future apps, specifically an app called Kinjo. It's a game reselling app that is currently just in a very early test phase. It was just opened up to the state of Oregon alone. Uh, eventually, that's going to get rolled out uh, later on this year. Hopefully, I believe we're going to see more of a national release on that. And I was able to sit down with the creator and kind of the visionary behind the app, Kinjo, and his name is Justin Fields, and I got to talk with him 
at Betacon in Portland. So I'm here with Justin Field. And Justin, when I was looking over the schedule of events, I noticed they're going to talk about uh, your app, which is called Kinjo. And it's a game reselling app, which I'd never heard of an app like that before. So I was really interested to hear more about your app and what it's all about and where you came up with the idea and all of that. Sure. So my background is in the uh, retail business. I've owned, I've opened six video game stores over the last 15 years, um, and this is kind of a natural evolution for me. Um, it's an idea I came up with about two years ago. Mm-hmm. I thought if I created an app that was dedicated to the gaming community that focused on connecting buyers and sellers directly to eliminate the need for game stores. Um, game stores, the background there is game stores are, are pretty unfair. The relationship between gamer and game store has been unfair for years and years and years. Um, unfortunately, there's never been a real better way to do it. And uh, now with technology, I've created an app that does exactly that. So basically it connects gamer or a buyer to the seller directly. So there is no middleman. I mean, technically, I guess we are the middleman, but but if you look at like a game store, you're selling it to a game store, they're not the end user, right? So they have to hold it. It's a depreciating asset. It's got. They have to assume shelf life. There's all these different things, all these variables that go into the reason they pay so little for games. But what Kinjo does, it allows you to get a current market value today for your game. So instead of selling it to them for $4 and having them sell it for $40, you can sell it for, say, $30. And um, we do take a 15% uh, fee, but it's all cashless. So we do all the inter- all the transaction. So we pay for all the transaction fees and stuff. So basically, you have a $30 game. You're going to give us what 450 so you would get 2550 um for a 30 dollar game when it, if you compare that to what's out there currently you know you're making four or five times the value of right. what you would normally get at a game store so that's kinjo that's the idea my background is basically in finding holes in the industry and filling it so that's kind of my thing so now and is this is this going to be limited to any kind of system or any type of game or is it basically just if you have a game from ColecoVision all the way up to now, can you get on there, and is this going to be a new marketplace for used games or for games overall, or for just a specific generation? It's a great question. Currently, we are uh, supporting 10 consoles, so from the Switch back to the PS2, GameCube, Xbox, that those generations there, um, but by the end of May, I believe, we should have be up to closer to 25 consoles. The idea is to definitely integrate retro, um, but we've rolled it out with the 10 consoles, we feel that's going to be the majority of our, our uh, buying and selling, uh, at least initially. But the retro market is, is huge, and we're giant. I mean, I'm I'm 41 years old, so I, you know, I've been gr- growing up in this whole thing, so retros are close to my heart. Um, we're definitely going to be supporting retro gaming, and the idea, the goal is to support every console. You know, ideally, if we can connect all gamers in the country to be able to buy and sell games on Kinjo, then on all the consoles, I mean, it would be the ultimate biggest video game store you could possibly think of in your pocket at all times so you're surrounded by games and that's what people don't really understand i don't think is that game stops you know there's seven thousand game stops why is that it's because there are so many games in everybody's community you know when i started my first company big city gaming i had 60 movies eight years later when i sold it i had nine thousand. that came from the community around me you know so what people don't realize i don't think is how saturated neighborhoods are with video games so what we're doing is trying to create a platform to connect those people and to uh yeah that's basically it so you can have your own game store on kinjo you just post your games and then you basically wait for meetup requests so it's all automated it's cashless it's very uh, uber like in a sense when it comes to that yeah it's like the uber for games so do you see that well obviously see way more than this but at the very least, do you see this as a disruption to kind of the brick-and-mortar stores that are already in place? Or do you see this, I mean, obviously it would be great if it took it over. Is that kind of where you're hoping to see this go? That's the goal, yeah. the end goal, the ambitious goal. Um, I mean, 
you know, as a store owner for so many years and as a gamer for so many years, I love the idea of going into a game store and just shopping. But unfortunately, GameStop has already done a lot of this work, and they've put out a, they have kind of a monopoly at this point. And so that's not the store I like to go and shop at necessarily. I like to go to the Big City Gamings or the old Video Games Plus stores, the right, old, right. like, root stores that I used to go to. But those are drying up, unfortunately. And it's just the, it's just the nature of the business, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the, the idea with the industry itself is... You have to keep moving forward or you get passed by. And that's kind of what we're doing with this technology is integrating that tech into the, the kind of replacing the brick-and-mortar model with the tech because it's a better option. Um, the idea is to replace the brick-and-mortar. Um, the also idea is to transition even in, away from physical media to digital distribution. Uh, we see that as the future, obviously. So we want to build a user base and uh, kind of like Netflix. Netflix started off as a physical media distribution and then they transitioned into streaming. Right. And we want to do the same thing, sort of. We want to build a user base with physical media distribution or buying and selling, peer-to-peer commerce, with the plan to pivot down the road to digital distribution as well. So people currently don't have the option to sell digital content, but it's happening. It's coming. They're in Congress right now trying to fight it. So once we want to be positioned to, to once that happens, we can just implement it and just add it to Kinjo. And so that's the idea. We're always looking forward, trying to... Basically, the idea is always to put the best foot forward for the gamer. Like, we're not in this for... Um, we're genuinely in it to try to solve a problem that that bothered us as a gamer. You know, we are our target market, so we use Kinjo, you know? So that's that's it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool solution to that issue. Yeah, that's awesome. And, I mean, now is kind of the perfect time, because not going to talk too badly about the stores that are out there, but definitely uh, the public opinion on some of those stores is definitely swaying in your favor. It's, it's not even their fault a lot of the times, you know? I mean, I was in their shoes for so long. I mean, like I said earlier, you know, they're not the end user, right? So they buy a game for $5, and they put it on the shelf for $25. If that game sits there for three months, now that game's like $10 or whatever. So they have to hedge their bet on depreciation. So unfortunately, they're tied to 7,000 leases, and they don't have the ability to do what we're doing. I mean, they have the ability to do it possibly, but they don't have, they're, they're tied up. You know, they're, they've got, they're kind of all in on the brick-and-mortar model. They're convert, They're pivoting themselves right now to the whole think geek, think, think geek, I'm sorry, and, uh, and selling T-shirts and trinkets and things like that. They're not just selling video games anymore because they see the writing on the wall. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't uh, hate on any other companies at all. It's not really about that to me. It's just about doing it my way, and I do it the best I can, and you know, the rest can try to keep up. That's kind of how I look at it. That's awesome, and it sounds great. Uh, is the app out now for everybody still testing, or is, where, where are we at? That's a great question. We actually, today at Betacon, we opened our public beta for the Oregon. So we're in the Oregon right now. Um, we're going to test it out, kind of get the kinks and the bugs worked out here in Oregon. Uh, we should have a national rollout in the next 30 to 60 days. So that's kind of the plan. We just launched beta today, test it, get it, get some users in there, get it working, um, and then roll out for a national launch. But you can follow us at Facebook. You can go to getkenjo.com, um, sign up for the newsletter, or you can just download the app and, and just keep checking for updates and things too. All right, cool. The and just, in, the, I'm sorry, the app is in uh, the App Store and in Google Play today. It's already downloadable in both platforms, iOS and Android, free download for anybody. Yeah. Awesome. And just so everybody knows, it's K-I-N-J-O. Yeah. The, yeah. The, actually, the, the idea, the name came from... Uh, the, the whole idea was to try to find a one-word name, which is super challenging these days. Yeah. So we went to another language, and Kinjo is actually means Jap- it's Japanese for neighborhood. Okay. So the idea is to connect the neighborhood, and Kinjo is the Japanese word for neighborhood. So that's where the name came from. So yeah, Kinjo. Why is this just now a thing? Nobody ever thought to make a game reselling app? I mean, sure, you've got things like Craigslist and Let Go and... 
what whatever else there is. There's all kinds of apps to sell your stuff, but nothing that's specifically tailored for the gaming community. And it's kind of about time, don't you think? So, yeah, I'm really curious to see how that works out. It sounds like a really, really great idea, and I know as soon as it's available in Washington, I'm going to jump on it, and uh, if it's if you're in Oregon listening to this, check it out. You can uh, get it, or you can check out more info on it at getkinjo.com. It is both available in the App Store and on Google Play as of just a few days ago for Oregon. So if you're a gamer and you want to sell some stuff or maybe buy some stuff, that's the thing. You don't have to just sell. You can buy. Cliff was kind of confused about that. Uh, so anyway, yeah, check it out, getkinjo.com. All right, so over in the far, what was that, would be the southwestern corner of the venue at Betacon was a big area set up with a giant pink pig. And it was kind of interesting to see that because I wasn't sure what that was. Then I saw the sign. It said pig squad. So that made sense why they had a pig there, but still didn't get it. Then I, you know, read, used my my skills of reading and saw that pig squad stands for Portland Indie Game Squad. Had no idea, like I said earlier, that indie games were that big of a thing in Portland. I know Portland prides itself on being weird and different and quirky and artistic and musical and all that. And I just don't know why, but I never made the jump to video game development but a thriving scene in portland they have game jams pig squad puts together game jams where the programmers and developers come up with a game or an app or an idea uh, over the course of a few days to a week and then they kind of see what they get and they roll with it anyway i got to talk with will who was the creator of pig squad and he got to tell me you know where he came from what they do, what they're all about, and everything you could want to know about Portland Indie Game Squad. All right, so we are at Betacon in Portland, the first one, and it's going really, really well. And when I walked in, one of the first things I noticed was this big pink arch with games like Raise the Dead, Tacoma, Res Please, all this other stuff, and a sign behind it that says Pig Squad with a square pig, and I'm here with Will from Pig Squad. Hello there. Hi. Uh, so I see what Pig Squad stands for, but tell us, uh, tell everybody listening what Pig Squad is and what you guys are all about. Right. Yeah. Pig Squad is the Portland Indie Game Squad. Uh, it's now a nonprofit as of last year, and we help game developers through events. So we help introduce people to different team members that they're looking for. We host workshops so that people can learn how to make games. We make a lot of introductions between professionals so that they can continue doing what they love. I founded Pig Squad because I had always wanted to make games. I was in a situation where I'm on the art, writing, music side of things. Didn't know how to program. Didn't necessarily maybe want to learn how to program. So I figured there's a lot of people in the area that are doing that kind of stuff and a lot of people that are looking for what I do. And I figured a lot of people were all in that same situation. So I wanted to make something that allowed everybody to meet each other and accomplish that. Right, and it's obviously turned out to be pretty successful. There's a lot of really great content, a lot of people. This is very easily the busiest part of Betacon. What's been some of your favorite things about being a part of this and getting this started? What are some of your favorite things that you've seen over the years? Right, I mean, I think it's really cool to see a lot of the games that have started with Pig Squad, a lot of people that say, like, I'm going to program this prototype, I find an artist through Pig Squad, and then two or three years later, they put their game on Xbox One. I think those are some of my favorite moments. Uh, some of them even go further as to say uh, we have these 
uh, 48-hour game-making competitions. They're called game jams. And some games have even been made at those game jams. The first prototype made at those events, and then they're taken to Steam, and people sell their games on Itch now, all this kind of stuff. It's really cool. So if you had a favorite, or is there any one game in particular over the years you've had come through, start here, and then make it out there? What's been one of your favorites? Yeah, I mean, I think... um, one, one game that I, I kind of miss, one of our friends used to be in Portland, and he moved. Uh, he's working on the game Vagante, and I forget if they did a Kickstarter or not, but they've been uh, updating their game on Steam every once in a while, and it's just super polished. The animation is really cool, and it is kind of cool that when people see that game and I say, oh, that guy was in Portland when he was working on this, people get really excited about it. I mean, uh, Headmaster, one of the PSVR launch titles, was like mm-hmm. that, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was PSVR. I love that game. Right, yep. yeah. They were, uh, they were working on that in Portland for a while, and I did a little bit of marketing work on that game. Cool. And it's really, really exciting for people to see, like, oh, yeah, these these games kind of started in Portland. They, they really resonate with the Portland vibe, and uh, it's cool because more and more and more people are releasing their games and getting Portland on the map. Uh, we have a lot of people that don't necessarily uh, interact with us too much that are kind of part of the, the big indie game hero scene kind of thing, and they see our tweets of the, the giant cube pig here at Betacon and say, like, oh, you're going to need a lot of pink paint. So it's kind of fun because uh, people are recognizing the brand a little bit more, and I'm really excited by that because we're able to just help people with what they want to do. Yeah, It's a really cool thing that you guys are doing. A lot of great stuff. Everybody's excited. I'm excited for a lot of the stuff I'm seeing today. If people want to find out more about Pig Squad, um, what it's all about, hell, even if they're planning on coming to Portland and they want to get in on the scene and, well, not necessarily get in, but want to be a part of a really great community because I lived in Portland for 12 years so I know how great Portland can be especially right. for people in this in this part of you know the industry the artistic side the programming all of it it's a great scene how can I get in touch with you and find out more yeah so Pig Squad has all of our uh, contact information our online community information all of our events listed at pigsquad.com and when somebody wants to get involved with the community or if they just want to see what it's about I usually recommend that people either join our Slack channel or our Facebook group to start talking to developers. I also recommend that if people are interested in coming out, to just come to at least one event that we throw every month. Uh, We usually host between three and four. But if they just come once a month uh, and just ask questions, introduce themselves, show their game, ask what they're interested in learning about, then people, you just start learning each other's names and what they're working on and who you do or don't want to work with. And then it's very, very typical that after, you know, four-ish months, people are just working on games together. It's really cool. That's awesome. Pig Squad, Portland Indie Game Squad. Will, thank you so much. Thank you. Pig Squad. Check them out if you're on Facebook, if you're on the Twitter, or if you're on the interwebs, which I know we all are because you're probably listening to this podcast off of the internet. Uh, so yeah, Portland Indie Game Squad. What a really cool collective kind of uh, kind of thing. And Portland, if you've never been to Portland, like I said, I lived amongst the quirk and amongst the weird and amongst the odd and all the artists and all the musicians and all the developers and programmers and tech people. Like It is such a cool, weird town. It's awesome. So if you've never been and you kind of want a taste of what that's like, at least from a gaming perspective, check out Pig Squad and a lot of the uh, developers and one-off studios that come through and kind of put things out because there's a lot of great stuff. And I got to talk to some of the developers that were actually at Betacon in the Pig Squad booth. Uh, Well, I say booth, but like I said in the show earlier, it's more like an area because it's this big expanse of a space with 
all these monitors and VR units and all kinds of stuff just crammed in there. Uh, so my favorite, 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 favorite thing that I saw at Betacon was in the pig squat area. And it was from a couple of guys who go by Long Neck Games. That's the name of their gaming development uh, company. And they have a game called Res Please. Easily one of the most popular uh, games, things on display at Betacon. There was a line, people were waiting to play this, and it was really cool because, you'll, as you'll hear when I'm talking to the guys from Long Neck, that I've never seen a game where you purposefully have to kill yourself in the game to move forward, to progress. I'd never really seen that game mechanic. I'm sure it's in-game somewhere, but it doesn't play as much of a uh, predominant role in those games as it does in this awesome game called Res Please. I am here with Josh from, I see, I was just so excited about the game, I forgot the actual studio. Yeah, so we're Long Neck Games is what we go by. Long Neck Games, and this game is called, it's just letters, it's Res Please is what it looks like, am I right? Res Please, correct, yeah. Okay, so tell me about this game because it looks, I, I saw somebody purposefully die in the game, and I, they were happy, and I was very confused. That's fair. It is a confusing game from the concept, uh, but dying is part of our game. So it's basically a platformer where one player has to die to allow another player to, to progress. So the core, the core like story of it is you're two wizards. You're the last wizards that are humanity's hope for the world, but you're you're not particularly good wizards. You're actually apprentices that were just about to get kicked out of school. And the only ability you have is the ability to resurrect each other should something go horribly, horribly wrong. And that's kind of where you're at right now is everything's gone horribly wrong and you have to save the world. So now, uh, really interesting looking game. It looks like a lot of fun, a real, like, a different kind of strategy too because I don't think I've seen a game where you purposefully kill yourself or somebody else to progress. So that's kind of cool. I don't know of any other games that really rely on something like that. Yeah, there's not there's not really a lot of games that encourage you to die. That's kind of a, you know a trope of uh, video games is that you kind of want to preserve your life as much as possible. So it's kind of a, a paradigm shift for people. We watch people play it a lot, and they really go out of their way to not die. And then when we tell them they can, they're like, oh, well, I can just die all the time. And so we had to kind of balance, like, when you want to die and use it as a mechanic for the game so that you actually get from point A to point B usefully and not just throw yourself into every volcano oh, yeah. you right. find. Yeah. Right. So now tell me a little bit about the development of this game because from what I'm gathering, there's only two people kind of involved in this game and you've been working on it for roughly three years? Yeah, so we've been working on it for three years in our spare time. Uh, my brother does all the programming and I do all the, uh, the art assets for it. Uh, so about a, about a year in, Nate had kind of developed like a, a mock-up of the game. So we had the core concept, the core mechanics kind of all laid out in Unity, uh, which is the program we're using for everything. And then um, ultimately, ultimately, like, he came to me and said, hey, I've got this great idea. You know, do you want to do the art assets for it? And I'm like, I've never done pixel art before. I was actually, a, I've been a sculptor for seven years. So I was, wow. I was working three-dimensionally with my hands. And so it was like huge shift to going pixel by pixel for everything. Right. But we grew up on, you know, old school video games. You know, we played Mega Man and Battletoads and, you know, uh, Bubble Bobble, you know. So right. that, that was the kind of stuff we grew up on. And so we, we appreciated that there's kind of this renaissance for these kind of old school style games. Uh, but kind of wanted to come up with something that had a fresh spin on kind of a classic 
you know, Super Mario, but it's like a morbid Mario, basically, you know? Right, yeah, the, the, the art style is, is awfully reminiscent of all the old school games that we, I know I grew up with, I'm sure you grew up with, so it's really cool to see that and see the kind of fresh take on the mechanic of using death to progress further into the game, so it's really cool. Um, when is this game going to be, is it out yet? Is it, when can people look for this? How can they help support you guys and this game? Yeah, so the game's not out yet. It's in its alpha phase still, so we're just we're just kind of getting everything kind of really the foundation set. But ultimately, we're setting up a Kickstarter within the next couple months here, and then once that once that's funded, we'll be within about a year of finishing the game. So, yeah. All right. Well, very cool. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Yeah, thank you, Adam. All right, and just watch our website and check our Facebook page, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, Snapchat, blah, 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 website, and we'll have all the uh, Kickstarter info up there for Long, Long Neck Studios. And Rez, please. Thanks. Yeah, so two guys, two brothers came up with Rez, please. The one brother taught himself Unity in a year, learned that in the development language, and then his other brother, the other brother was a sculptor, an artist, and they came together and made this really, really, really cool game. I cannot tell you enough about how excited I am about this game. If you want to download a demo, you can do that. Uh, Get online, go to rezpleasegame.com. It's R-E-Z-P-L-Z game. and check out this really, really, really cool game. I am super stoked for these guys. As soon as their Kickstarter is up, we are going to have links to it. I'm going to be pimping them out all over the place because aside from the game just looking really great and looking like a really interesting game, these guys, you could tell that they were in this, that this was a passion project for them, and they were just it was just cool to see two brothers do this together and come out with such an amazing project and product already. So I cannot wait to see where Res Please game uh, goes in the future. Uh, also in the Pig Squad area was another studio, Ragtag Studio. There were a lot of studios in there. So Ragtag Studios, and their website is ragtagstudio.com if you want to check some of those things out. But the really, really, really cool thing that they had on uh, display was a great game called Raise the Dead. Not Raise, like R-A-I-S-E. It's Raise the Dead, R-A-Y apostrophe S. So Raise the Dead. You're controlling the dead that belong to this guy named Ray. Anyway. There's a story behind it, and I got to talk with Enna Schumann. Enna Schumann is uh, the, one of the writers, or the writer, for Raise the Dead. So she came in and helped clean up the dialogue and stuff like that, and she was there to talk about uh, Raise the Dead and her role in it and what the game is all about. And also in this interview, I got to talk with Stephanie Gatowski, who is obviously friends with Anna because they were just kind of hanging out there together. And I got to talk to Stephanie about you know what she does in the industry. She's a Twitch streamer. She's a a fairly large online presence in the gaming community. So I also got to talk to her about some of these, uh, you know, narrative games that are coming out. Tacoma was on display, and we will be talking about that uh, in just a few. But I got to talk about what she thought about those narrative games and, you know, things she likes to Twitch stream live and and, and whatever. So here, check it out. I've got Anna Schumann here and Stephanie Gutowski. We're talking about Raise the Dead from Ragtag Studios and uh, Stephanie's Twitch stuff. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's day one where I think two hours into the convention. I'm ready to go. I got my Lara bars. I got a flask on the side. So, you know, I'm just enjoying the life that Portland has brought into this convention. Yeah, it's very cool. And a heads up, we're at Betacon. It's the first first one. First 
Yeah, first one happening in Portland, Oregon. It's really cool. Um, and this is just the first year. I can't see, wait, wait to see what they do next year. And uh, so you're here kind of heading up this area for Ragtag Studio and Raise the Dead. That is correct. I am actually one of the writers for Raise the Dead. Oh, cool. I'm contracted work, so I'm not an actual integral part of Ragtag Studio, but I've been helping for two and a half years now and helping them sort of come together with the game. When they first found me, they had already had a demo and they had like an idea of what they wanted for the story. So they're like, we want this to happen, we want this to happen, and we want this to happen. And so my job was to make that a cohesive story and sort of make sure every, there were no loopholes, no loose ends. And then I also do the dialogue for the game. Very cool. And so what can you tell me about this game? It's really cool looking. Like It's almost like a... Uh Almost like a Paper Mario-looking kind of style, but in a 3D-ish space. Yeah, so our game has been described as zombie Pikmin, basically. <laughs> so it's an action-adventure puzzle zombie game with a dual narrative. So you play as Ray. The game starts out as him being a freshly resurrected zombie, and he's all confused. He's got, like, grave dirt in his eyes. It hurts. It stings. I'm like... He's like, what is going on? Why am I a zombie? Why is there a giant light bulb on the top of my head? And so as he begins to explore his surroundings, the graveyard, the city out uh, in front of him, certain things are going to happen which trigger events that are flashbacks of who he was as a human. So you get to play as him as a child growing up, and you get to unravel the mysteries involving his death and why there's a giant light bulb on the top of his head. Yeah, the light bulb is definitely an interesting little twist to it. Yep. Uh, so when is, is this out? When is this out? When can people look for it? Where can they find it? Uh, 2017. That's all I can say <laughs> on that. Um, and we are coming out on Steam, PS4, and Vita. Oh, Vita. That's cool. We've got a lot of Vita love. A lot of Vita love. We've actually got a few listeners that are, they always ask about the Vita, and I'm always like, I had a PSP, and that was that. <laughs> I love my PSP, too. I'm right. a hardcore Vita PSP fan, so. Very cool. Anna, thank you so much, and this game looks great. Thank you so much. I hope to see you guys later. Stephanie Gutowski, I got it. I'm good with names-ish. Um, so you do a lot of stuff. You, you do, uh, you've got a Twitch stream, so you do a lot of streaming. I heard some voice acting a little bit. You've got all kinds. Of, what, else, what else do you do in the industry? You know, how much time have you got? No. <laughs> I mean, we're a podcast, so we technically have all the time in the world. That's the beautiful thing about podcasts. Um, oh, my gosh. Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I don't do anymore. Um, I just um, really love video games and wanted to be involved in the community. I started off as a games journalist, writing for a little indie publication, got into voice acting through like connections in the game industry um do that more for fun um cosplay too video game cosplay so you know i guess just a super fan now i'm mostly twitch streaming and you know playing some of my favorite games for what are what are some of the games that you know some of your favorite games that you've played and then some of the games that are coming up that look like they might be able to work into those top spots Okay, well, one of my absolute favorite games to stream is a little indie game called Stardew Valley. Okay. It's a farming simulator. Yep. Um, if anyone out there has ever played Harvest Moon, um, you should definitely check out Stardew Valley. It is fantastic, and it will probably be a huge nostalgia bomb. Games that are coming out that I'm really excited for to stream. Um, well, right next to me over here is Tacoma from Fool Bite Studios. They are a local Portland um, dev team. They're awesome. They made Gone Home. Uh, Tacoma is like this space... Um, mystery that's unfolding. Um, I'm really excited to play that and stream that for my community. Um, Gone Home was awesome. I loved it. So I'm just even more excited for Tacoma because I love space. Um, and real quick, and you know, so you liked Gone Home. You're excited about Tacoma. What do you think of this whole move towards these narrative style games that 
are really just like a three, four, maybe five hour experience that tell this really great story. And it's all about discovery. There's no real action. There's no fighting. There's no death. But it's this really cool story. What do you feel about those kind of games? I think you just explained it for me. Yeah, like yeah. everything you said is like, you know, I think the, the main appeal of that, it's a different type of video game that I think, you know, for a long time we had a... a this, this idea of what games were, the story was sort of on the back burner, if there was any, and so now all of a sudden we're flipping that on its head, and I think it's great, especially for people who want a story to engage with, but don't want to necessarily do that via the traditional mediums, like, you know, it, books are great, movies are great, but there's this wonderful feeling of being a part of the story when you get to play it in a, in a style like this. So Tacoma, I think, really um, does that really well and Gone Home did it really well so yeah I mean if that's your your jam there, there are now games for you when there weren't before so I'm all about seeing more of those and supporting small studios that want to to try their hand at that um, I, I think they're great frankly those are some of my favorite games yeah and I can tell you right now just being around this pig squad booth the Portland Indie Game, Portland Indie game Squad uh, I call it a booth but it's more like an area because uh, there's more than a booth going on here uh, a lot of the games that I've seen so far today most of my favorites that I've seen are in this area over here. So the indie scene is kind of like become where people start their look for a good game, and they just expect the AAA stuff to kind of come around when they want it. But the indie games, that's the scene people are going to to find the real experiences. Exactly. It's um, And especially in a community like this that is just so strong and I feel like probably hidden in Portland. You don't associate Portland as necessarily a gaming hub or a place where creators are really, you know, churning out big titles but what they are doing is making the games they want to see in the world and I think that's where you see some of like the most in interesting ideas come to life and they're all so different like there's no clone of anything you know at each station you're you're seeing people's passions come to life and I think those are some of the most those are the games that res really resonate with people I mean indie titles get a little you know the distribution isn't as great but the people that do find it um, I think there's a, they exist in a special place in people's hearts yeah. where AAA games don't. Right. It's a special place. It's a really great scene. And, Stephanie, thank you so much for talking with me today. Uh, your Twitch channel, where can we find you on Twitch or anywhere else we, we can find you? Um, I am Sigma Ru everywhere. Like Sigma, like the Greek letter, and then R-U-E. I know it's some nonsense. Word. You know, it's so fun making up gamer tags in college right. and then sticking with it, you know? Um, so you Is there, does that have any special meaning, or was it just like, that sounds good? I was like, hey... This sounds cool. I'm going to go with this. It means nothing. And it stuck. Sigma Rue. Sigma R-U-E. Correct. Stephanie, thanks so much. Thank you. Cool chicks. It's It was really a cool thing when I was down in Portland at Betacon to see so many women in these roles that I know that it's been a thing in the media, you know, women in gaming and women taking the leads in, in a lot of this development and stuff like that. So it was really, really cool to talk to so many women and see so many other women and these predominant roles over such really interesting and compelling games and content and technology. It was that was that was really great for me. Uh, to see that. So kudos to you ladies and uh, spectacular kudos to whoever who hired you because they were making all the right choices. So good for them too. Uh, and yeah, check out ragtagstudios.com if you want to find out more about Raise the Dead. And you can also uh, catch Stephanie online at her Twitch stream. Uh, Twitch stream online presence is Sigma Ru. Sigma R-U-E. So uh, yeah, do that. And of course, the big one of the show, for Cliff anyway, 
and for me because it was really cool to see it in action. We've been talking about it and hearing about it, you know, sporadically over the year uh, is a game from Fulbright Studios called Tacoma. And it is another narrative story kind of in the same vein as their original game called Gone Home, which I had never played. I'd heard about it, heard a lot of great things, and it's a few years old. So how I missed it or how I never got to play it, or maybe I just wasn't into that narrative style thing. Uh, I now am very clearly, very much so, because Gone Home told a wonderful, wonderful, very relatable story for a lot of people, including myself. So definitely check that out if you haven't. It is available on PC and across all the consoles on your home consoles, Xbox One, uh, PS4, I'm sure PS3 and 360, I'm guessing. Um, But at any rate, they are definitely out there. Uh, Gone Home, the console edition. Anyway, like I said, that's in the past. Their new game, Tacoma, sometime this year, something like that. That's what they could tell me, or at least that's what Nina could tell me. Nina is on the development team, and she is specifically the level designer for Tacoma. And again, another powerful female taking the lead in developing all the level design for this new game. So I am, I'm, I'm super stoked that I got to talk to her, and what she gets to tell us about the game is great, and kind of her take on the gaming industry uh, as a whole, where it's moving with some of these narrative sto- stories as well, how that kind of plays into development and challenges that it might pose for people uh, in the actual development community. And of course, I mentioned about 30 times how excited Cliff is that Tacoma's coming out. Cliff has been waiting for this game ever since he heard that Fulbright is making a, a new game. Um, because that narrative game thing, it is, it's fantastic. It's such a great medium for stories like that, video game. And I am here with Nina from Fulbright, who is a developer, specifically level design, in the new game Tacoma that's coming out this year. Nina, how you doing? Hi, good. How are you? I'm great. This is a lot of fun um, here at Betacon, and it was really cool coming in seeing this thing called Pig Squad. Never knew it was a thing. And then when I saw Fulbright and Tacoma in here, I knew I had to talk to somebody. So, Tacoma, tell me, tell me what you can, what people can expect, and w- just what it's been like with this game. Sure. Uh, yeah, so Tacoma is a first-person narrative exploration game, um, and you play as this woman, Amy, um, and she has been sent to Lunar Transfer Station Tacoma sort of on this mission to obtain some data from the ship because the ship had a crew on it before and this sort of like big disaster happened and she's been sent there to sort of collect some data about that and just things that are on the ship. So she's like this contractor um, and you play as her and so you're moving through the ship and collecting data from each wing and sort of learning more about the crew as you do that. Um, so, for example, there's these things in our game called AR scenes, which basically mean that you, you download augmented reality data from the ship, and it is sort of like security video footage almost, if you think of it that way, of the crew at certain moments in time on the ship. And you're able to actually scrub through that like a videotape and follow these like non-linear, because it's in 3D space. So say like you're in the game and there's a character over there talking to another character, you can go listen to their conversation and maybe they split off and then you, you can choose who you want to follow. But then you can rewind it and go follow the other path if you want as well. Um, so that uh, is something that we're doing sort of with this like sci-fi setting because it's you know taking place in space and in your future setting. So we're playing a lot with augmented reality in our fiction. Um, But yeah, so you're this contractor collecting data, learning about these characters, learning about this disaster, and sort of exploring the space station. 
Very cool. So when it comes to the narrative style games, which of course Gone Home was a really great narrative game, one of the first ones like that was really kind of a big thing yeah. that people started to take notice and more and more of these games came along. What do you think is either more challenging or easier? about working on a game or, or, or story or something like that as opposed to a traditional, like, you know, a shooter or a, or a platform or something. What's what's either easier or harder about that? Sure. I wish uh, one of my bosses, Steve or Carla, were here to answer that question because they worked on Bioshock 2 together, so they would have more of, like, an exact comparison right. to make. Um, and they were, like, the leads on Gone Home and stuff. But in my experience, as someone who hasn't worked on, like, a shooter game or anything, I've primarily always done narrative-driven stuff. Um, I think... You know, one of the challenges is like how how do you tell a story where players are pulling information rather than pushing? Um, that's a phrase I'm stealing from Carla, who used it all the time, and I think it's really good because it's like we don't want to just tell the players a story. We want them to play the game and experience the story and learn about it at their own pace and in their own ways using the mechanics. So it's like mechanics-driven storytelling, trying to get the player to pull that story to go seek it out themselves rather than just like having exposition and like throwing facts at them and just telling them, telling them, telling them. Um, and that that kind of design is, you know, really specific to games and interactive media. Um, so that that's certainly a challenge because, you know, it's, it's so specific to this medium. Um, but it's really fun because it's like, you know, we get to do some fun nonlinear storytelling stuff like those AR scenes I was telling you about where it's like, the scene's all there. We don't know how the player is necessarily going to interact with it, but they can just kind of go do their thing. And it's fun seeing, you know, what characters do people want to follow? Like, when are they sick of a conversation? When do they want to go follow someone else? What kind of distracts them, like, across the room that they go they want to go see? Like, this stuff all kind of comes out organically from the system. And, and it's been really fun to kind of, like, play with that in this game. And I'm excited to see how people react to it once it's finally out in the world. It's in, uh, Cliff is, like I've said it three or four times, Cliff is really, really, really excited about this game. When can people expect to start seeing it, or when, when are they going to be able to find it? Where are they going to be able to find it? Right. So it's not out yet, obviously. Uh, we'll probably be releasing sometime this year. Uh, we don't have an official release date yet, but um, you can keep an eye out on that. We have a Twitter, at Tacoma Game. Um, our company site is Fulbright, full brig.ht there's also a website for Tacoma tacomagame.com um, and we have our trailer up there and we did earlier uh, was it this year or last year I can't even remember recently uh, first look with IGN and they recorded like 15 minutes of footage that you can watch and they did a really cool thing where they actually did sort of interactive video to help express what those AR scenes are like um, so there's sort of stuff out there if people want to check out what's going on with the game early. Um, otherwise, just like keep up with us on Twitter or whatever, and you know we'll have a release date at some point, hopefully this year. When it is released, first up front is going to be Xbox and PC? Xbox One, PC, Mac, and Linux. Gotcha. All right, cool. And one last question. Do you know how they came up with the name Tacoma, what, where that came from, other than obviously the town? So that would be a question for Steve. I know he he's sort of the one who originally pitched that title. Definitely, I'm pretty sure it's sort of based on Tacoma, Washington, because there is a character in the story who's, who's supposed to be from Washington, and Tacoma is one of the places where they're building um, ships like Tacoma, um, like the lunar transfer station Tacoma. Uh, so it's sort of a title from that, that part of the fiction um, because we have characters tied to the Pacific Northwest. Um, and definitely, like, 
a lot of the team. Like we all, a lot of us live in Portland and like Steve has been in Portland for most of his life. So he's definitely like a Pacific Northwest guy. So it's all kind of wrapped up in that. <laughs> all right, Nina from Fulbright, looking forward to Tacoma. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. All right. And there is that. Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much to everybody at Betacon. And specifically, thank you so much to Betacon and the Portland Mercury. Uh, I reached out to them when I heard Betacon was happening, and they got us in with media credentials and gave us access to all kinds of places. And I was able to meet a lot of great people and talk to a lot of great people. So specific huge thanks to Betacon and the Portland Mercury. And, of course, Pig Squad, all your developers that you had there, you guys are fantastic. What you're doing is so, so cool. And I can't wait to see uh, how you guys influence the game industry, especially the indie game scene, along with Fulbright, Ragtag, Longneck. Uh, all the studios that you had there and the developers you had there, you guys are doing an incredible job and you are making our jobs on the podcast exciting and easy or hard. Easy because there's a lot of great stuff to play and uh, talk about. Also, conversely, it's just as hard because there's a lot of great stuff to play and talk about. So we've got our work cut out for us, but you guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much to Betacon and everybody down there. And again, also thank you to Justin Fields of Kinjo, getkinjo.com, K-I-N-J-O.com, for the game reselling app that is currently out in Oregon only. If you want to hear any more about Betacon or read more about it, you can always check out our website, bitemepodcast.com. It's B-Y-T-E, me, podcast.com. And then you can find us on all the social medias at Bite Me Podcast. That's B-Y-T-E, me, podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Yeah, we've got our own custom YouTube URL now, thanks to uh, our 100-plus subscribers. Uh, If you like us, follow us, uh, tweet us, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube. Cliff posts videos all the time of gameplay. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Bite Me Podcast. We're having a lot of fun. Check us out. Duncan is here to keep you running with a much-needed taste of normal. To work, home, or work from home with the coffee you like just the way you like it. Whether that's a small hot black coffee, your daily 2 p.m. latte, or a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant and a medium iced coffee with oat milk, one sugar, two pumps of caramel, one pump hazelnut, a swirl of French vanilla, and a shot of espresso. I call it my p.m. pep rally. You should really try it. Whatever it is that gets you running, Dunkin's got you and always will. America runs on Dunkin'. T-Mobile has been building America's largest 5G network for this epic 5G moment. Introducing the new iPhone 12 Pro. Now at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Download, upload, and game at 5G speed in more places. Unleash the power of iPhone 12 Pro with T-Mobile. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com.